Expectations and goals are a good thing, but when we don't have realistic expectations, especially with regards to our children and their local school, it can set us up for disappointment. But the good news is that healthy expectations, even in times of uncertainty like we're in, can give us calm and confidence. My guest today, Josh Dyson, shares the story of Augustine and how his life and journey teach us a lot about what it means as parents and as educators to set realistic expectations for our children and their education. Stay tuned to this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens on the line with Josh Dyson. How are you, Josh? Great. It's a beautiful day here in Wichita. It is. Well, it, it's it's just good to talk to you. It's I've been a very long couple of months, and uh, I want to hear more how you guys are doing. You're the head of school at the Classical School of Wichita. You've been there how long now? So I've been at, at CSW, Classical School, for uh, six years Okay. now. Uh, so four of those were as director of operations under Wade Ortego, who yep. you'll be hanging out with. Who's now coming off. to Ambrose here in Boise. So, yeah. So we, uh, uh, whenever he left here, uh, I assume that position of head of school two years ago. Okay. And then before you've, so you've had experience full-time teacher. I've seen you've been a school chaplain. You've done some children's and youth ministry. So you've had your finger in lots of things over the, over the years. And, uh, yeah, exactly. That was my, my desire early on was to be involved in ministry and, you know, the Lord opened my eyes to see yeah. the potential of ministry within a school context. Um, so yeah, they're 10 years in Christian education now. Yeah, and you've got a role to play, Board of Academic Advisors for the CLT, Classical Learning Test. We're big fans of that. And then, of course, your husband, uh, Julie, and four kids. So your kids are grammar school age, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one in pre- one preschool and then going into first, going into second, going into fifth. Yeah, you, you're definitely keeping your hands full. We want to talk about, you know, our convers- we've had many conversations. Um, the podcast was kind of prompted off of an article that you wrote um, a while back uh, that was in Circe, I guess, published it and with a provocative title, What Scares Me About Classical Education. And we'll kind of get into that in just a moment. But really, the, the, the direction of this interview is focusing on this idea of um, expectations and I don't know. I want to hear some of your story. I know a lot of the things that maybe we had expected in January just have been a little different here in the last few months. So um, in terms of kind of everything. So what's what's kind of been your, uh, you know, what are some things that you guys have had to pivot and, and rethink just kind of in terms of your, your personal life and your role as out of school? Yeah, um, it, it feels trite to say it, that these have been interesting times at this point, right? Um because that's, I mean, what else do you say uh, about it? Uh, I remember we were planning a trip to Rome, um, you know, have been, you know, we were going to go in March. Um, and at a parent meeting right after the COVID stuff uh, started hitting China, a parent asked in our meeting, well, what about COVID? And I can't remember, that was sometime mid, mid-January or, you know, late January maybe. Um, and I was... I was taken aback by that question and it was almost like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> that thing over in China? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
you know, it was, it, it was so, I was, I was like, well, I guess we'll have to deal with that if that happens. But it honestly felt like this, those are unrelated yeah. issues. Uh, and it was so quick after that, that all of a sudden, you know, Italy in particular was just slammed uh, with COVID. And we were sitting here facing, uh, you know, at the beginning before we were even thinking about it being something that we would possibly um, have to affect school here in Kansas um, mm. was, you know, with our trip, you know, to, to Italy of having to completely rethink that. You know, of course, we're unable to, to go. Um, and I remember, you know, talking to a number of head of schools in that same position. It just seemed so surreal that we were actually about to cancel this trip. Uh, and, and it's almost just like in, a, in an instant, we were all of a sudden talking about school here mm. in the States. And not just, you know, on the outskirts, you know, like on, you know, far off in New York or in California. I mean, even in middle America, um, you yeah. know, so man, we're, a, you know, it's been interesting. We're a kind of low tech school, I think, as a movement. We probably are a little bit more low tech than than our uh, progressive counterparts. Um, so of having to switch over to high tech education uh, in a very short amount of time. Uh, definitely was not what I had at all anticipated could be possible. Yeah. No, there's so many things that, uh, you know, I, again, there's just so many almost parables we're living out right now in terms of what we thought. I mean, I've, you know, my middle son is a senior and kind of thought maybe senior year might look a little differently than being at home, although I've enjoyed that. And he's, um, you know, not still won't actually have our commencement until end of June. I mean, so there's just so many things we didn't expect. And so, you know, it's, it's hit us on all levels. I mean, for, you know, our finances are probably different for many people than uh, we would have thought they would be at this point, or um, maybe just expectations in general that we've always had behind the scenes about what we want for our, our, our children going forward. You know, it, it's kind of that, I think the risk of being a consumer minded person, especially here in America is like, well, I bought a tuition and I, I, I that equal should equal a certain outcome, an academic outcome, a college admission outcome, and um, you say in your article, you know, you talk about the queasy feeling inside um, if they really get it when that 18-year-old is graduating. What were you talking about there in the article when you referenced the queasy feeling? Yeah, uh, you know, I was talking about, you know, sitting at commencement, you know, in particular, and, you know, you've had these 13 years of education. Everything, you know, as we sit in, in our, you know, our groups of teachers or we go to SEL conference and ACCS conference, we just talk about, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if students were like this and all this worked out, we're going to create this curriculum, we're going to do it like this. And it's just going to be so awesome whenever right. you know, our students are so virtuous and so eloquent, so wise. Um, and then rubber, you know, rubber meets the road, boots hit the ground. And it's like, okay, this is not you know, all the, the theoretical conversations that we've had isn't always so easy to translate over into real life. And, and the outcomes aren't always so uh, pristine as maybe we envision it with that ideal, you know, student. Yeah. Because um, you, you talk in the article about really the life of Augustine. And I guess if, if those, I'll, I'll let you share a little bit of kind of his journey and his story, because obviously if someone watched him walk across, assuming he walked across at 18 and got his diploma, um, he had some smarts, but he had a long way to go in terms of being that virtuous young man that maybe his, his mom, Monica really hoped he would be. And, uh, and so some 
some fears right there at that moment. And so the, I think kind of re- really where we're headed is let's let's manage realistic expectations, especially with so much uncertainty in the world. But what kinds of things should we hold on to and should we aim for? But let's back up. Tell us a little bit about Augustine. If people don't know that story, why is that relevant for us? And why did you mention it in the article? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, for one, you know, of course, with Augustine being such a prominent figure in in church history as I mean, the guy, you know, of, you know, setting so many, you know, helping set so many doctrines that we hold as essential doctrines, really solidifying, helping solidify those things. Um, You know, but when we look at him as a young man, as uh, a teenager, we would, you you would never expect that he would have helped to um, move the church in the right direction. You know, everything looked to point the opposite direction. Um, not only, you know, is he just incredibly carnal um, and just self, self-seeking, uh, as we all are without Christ, uh, but he's in, he is incredibly well-educated. I mean, he, he, ex, he ex, you know, receives the ideal education, um, you know, a, a true classical education, and he has and is combined with a natural ability uh, that he has that we that is you know, highly exceptional, um, and what what begins to become evident is if God didn't intervene in this young man's life, he would have taken all of those tools, everything he'd been equipped with, and actually used them, weaponized those things against God, against his church and would have actually been an opponent, a very able opponent of of Christianity. Yeah. You say in the article, if I can just quote you to just reiterate the significance of this concern, you say, because if God doesn't come through for these students, this whole classical Christian project will go down as one of the most harmful endeavors to the world ever promulgated by Christians. I mean, that, that is like, wait a minute, what? So you're saying that even though he had a really good education in the day, he had a true classical education, uh, there was actually potentially even more risk if that was not anchored in the gospel, which he didn't have when he was 18. So, right? I mean, Mom Monica was probably excited. He had like A's on the report card, but there was a lot of other stuff that hadn't quite made sense to Augustine at that point. Yeah, and I think it's a good reminder that classical education is actually neutral in itself. Right. It is a tool, just like a hammer. A hammer is neutral in itself. Uh, you know, it comes down to how, how are we using that? Um, and if it's used, you know, for ill, it, uh, you know, unfortunately it can be an effective weapon for ill. But our, of course, our hope as Christ, Christ, classical Christian educators is we're taking these tools with the gospel, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and submitting those things to be used yep. to the Word of God. So, so let's unpack this a little bit, because we're talking about expectations. So again, parents like, oh, wait a minute. I went to the open house. That was an amazing... Pr- I, wrote, I want my kid at this classical Christian school. Josh, you're running one of these things, and you're telling me there's a risk here of this thing actually being one of the most harmful endeavors the world ever <laughs> promulgated by Christians. Like, what? where is that happen? How does that happen? Like, what would that... Is that like a really bad teacher my kid might have? Like, what do you mean? Like, unpack that a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, it probably would speak to a really good teacher 
um, you know, that they had, you know, that is continuing to equip. Well, we hope for all of our teachers is that they're equipping these students to be sharp, right? We're equipping them to be, you know, have the resources to have, you know, have the tools. The thing that, you know, I tell, you know, sit across my parent and say is, you know, discipleship of your child is still is your responsibility as a parent, right? We're coming alongside you in that endeavor. So as, as a parent, um, you know, even you, right, are in this position of you're not God, right? None of us are God. And that's where we have to submit, um, constantly be submitting our children to Christ, have to be at home, spending that time with them in prayer and scripture, you know, of engagement with the church, that um, there's, there's much more to the development of a child and for them to grow up to be one who loves God than what happens, you know, between 8 a.m. And, and 3 p.m. Right. in our schools. And I think that, I mean, again, I think the point we're trying to make and you've brought out really well is, you know, we're, we're functionally, we're in a culture that insists that results matter above everything else. I mean, that's, we are, that we're good Americans. You don't play a basketball game really for many other, I mean, I'm, Certainly, there are other values in it, but you, you just plan to win. And if you lose, well, that's everything else is for naught. And I think we have some of that that bleeds into our school realm, which is they better walk across that stage, not only with good grades, they better have excellent character, they better have this, they better have that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, I think, again, the pandemic's kind of sobered us to say, well, first of all, they may not even be walking across the stage. And oh, by the way, they may not even be going to school. And oh, by the way, the things that you'd hope for maybe aren't going to happen because it's not all up to you, which in some ways is freeing, right? I mean, I guess on the one hand, it's freeing. On the other hand, there's a measure of responsibility that we better engage on, again, as parents and church. So um, the beautiful thing, and maybe we're going to take a break. Well, I want to come back because I do want to, I don't want to leave us hanging with like, well, that's scary, Josh. What do we do about that? Um, there is a positive because you say later in the article, uh, you're talking about Augustine, and again, jump back to what you said. You said that, you know, um, he did not receive the gospel until years after his trivium education had been completed. And once the Holy Spirit, the gospel, and an exceptionally gifted and classically educated mind came together with the gospel, there's the product, as you describe it, is explosive uh, in the best possible way. And that's what we're going for, is that positive explosive, like God has just shown up here, and it's amazing when all those come together. So how do they come together, and how do we create realistic expectations? Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and unpack this a bit more. Thanks, Josh. Great. He's worked with families for more than 30 years as a licensed professional counselor and marriage family therapist. It's time for a quick encouragement on the best practices of raising the next generation. We call it a McCurdy moment. So Keith, we all want to be successful as parents and educators and the idea of we want our kids to be mature. And I think I guess if you ask around, there's probably varying understandings of what maturity is. And I think a lot of people think maturity is the compliant, properly oriented, polite kid. Is that is that what we're aiming for? Is that maturity? You know, I first, let me give you a definition of maturity I use with parents a lot. It's ultimately the ability of a child or anyone to do what they should do, to do what they know is right, do what they know what's good, even when they don't want to, when it's not comfortable, when it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that really is maturity. Yeah. Um, but if we understand that to be a good definition of maturity then that rarely looks like the compliant, quiet child. If any, yeah. it, you know, if anything, the compliant, quiet child um, often is scared half to death of life or more anxious or more depressed. You know, the, the, 
the act of grumbling, parents have a hard time with this. They think that's always disrespect. But the act of grumbling, that's maturity in motion. You know, that's that's a child who is, I, I think of my son as an example. If I ask my son to mow the lawn, he goes, oh, you know, but he's going to mow the lawn. That grumbling is not disrespect. That's an acknowledgement of this is not what I really wanted to be doing right now. But you know what? It's hard. It's not, you know, it may be painful. It's not joyful, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and so grumbling sometimes, you know, seeing that our children don't like, don't care for, don't want to do what we request, but they work through that in the moment. I call that, I, I focus more on submission than compliance because submission kind of gives us the idea of, I really don't want to be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know it's good. Yeah. Otherwise they're just bottling up their frustration and they're walking in a perfect straight line and they're looking exactly, I mean, nothing wrong with walking in a straight line, but right. if it's, if it's forced. I, I tell parents all the time, I, you know, I, I hear this, this line all the time, but they're supposed to do it with joy in their heart. <laughs> And I tell parents, I have never cleaned a toilet with joy in my heart. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure that's me being disobedient or anything. I still clean the toilet. But there are some things in life that yeah. just aren't enjoyable. We live in a broken world. Yeah. But it's our ability in the face of that yeah. to pursue what's good. And if we're really doing that, being honest, sometimes it's frustrating. And so when we see our children frustrated, but yet working through it, that to me is maturity. So respectful grumbling. Yeah, respectful grumbling. All right, I'm yeah. going to go work on that myself. Thanks, Keith. Okay. Got a question for Keith to answer on a future McCurdy moment? We'll send it to us at info at basecamplive.com and learn more about Keith McCurdy on the speaking page on the Basecamp Live website. Welcome back to Basecamp Live, Josh Dyson and I chatting about this whole moment in time we're in. Uh, you know, pandemic has uh, has hit us, and now we've got urban unrest going on, and there is a lot of swirl in our universe right now. And you know, I, here we are in the summer. What's the fall going to look like, Josh? Do you guys have all that figured out? What What's school going to be like when you get back in the fall? You, I'm sure there's a thousand questions you're trying to figure out. Yeah, you know. Um... I can't say that we have it all figured out. You know, we have a preliminary um, rough draft of a plan. And yeah, this Monday actually we'll meet with a number of physicians in our community and let them, you know, kind of hack that to pieces and let us rebuild it again in a way that can ensure that we can get back to on-site education, but uh, do so wisely, uh, keep everybody healthy. Lots of contingency planning. So, um, Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way you phrased just the idea of just uh, preliminary plans. How do, where are we going? And I think as parents, as we think about, we, we should have some preliminary plans. Like this is what we want for our children, but we've got to kind of guard ourselves from over expecting to the point that there's inflexibility. And then we get disappointed when things don't go the way we want. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, practically, what does this mean? And I think really, I think that the lesson of Augustine is that don't judge the, you know, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, you know, don't, uh, don't judge it before it's done. I mean, don't, don't assume that what you see at 18 is the end of the story. God's still writing the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen, I know you did youth ministry. I've, I've certainly seen that. And as I get older, just sort of that trajectory of life, there's things that, those seeds, kind of the parable of the sower, maybe don't fall immediately in the good soil, and it takes a little time for them to settle in. But those um, those fruits that were planted early will be sustained. Um, yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, and 
you know, over the years, what, you know, I've learned is that there's just a strong correlation between families who are, you know, faithful to their kids being in church, faithful to time, you know, in scripture, faithful to family worship um, together, and their kids later on, you know, desiring those same things. And sometimes there's a gap. You know, there may be a time where they we consider they wander or something like that uh, for a little while, trying to find their own way. But just more times than not, kids from those families, if they do wander, seems like end up coming back uh, to those to those roots, to those foundations that were laid for them. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, you had mentioned um, Proverbs, you know, the train up a child in the way he should go. Um, I, I pulled that back up and I thought, I've heard this a thousand times, but it's interesting because it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And I I guess that really hit me as the old factor. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. How old was Augustine when he had this conversion? Do you, presumably still fairly young guy, but... Um, yeah, I'd hate to, uh, you know, without having it in front of me, I, I don't quite remember. I want to say around 30 or so, I'm yeah. sure like quickly would correct me on that, but I'm sure someone will let us know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we have an exact birthday, but I mean, he was not, he wasn't just walking the graduation stage in high school at that point. And there was a, a season of kind of him being a prodigal yeah. and hadn't quite figured it all out yet. And, and so do you, again, for those who don't know the whole story, what for just trying to parallel kind of his life and the expectations. So Monica, his mom was a believer, right? So she yeah. she was pretty um, faithful, even during those prodigal seasons. Do you know any of the details on kind of just how the influence that she had in his life? Yeah, you know, I'd have to like like I said earlier, I was trying to dig up my copy of Confessions again, and I misplaced it. But you know, I think for Monica, just she was so insistent on being faithful and praying uh, for him, you know, the, the intercession. Uh, for him, you know, you can't think about the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, um, you know, I've seen that in Monica's life. Uh, and, and such a good reminder of how prayer is remarkably powerful. And think about for my kids, Matt, I, um, the past year or two, I've spent more time praying for my kids than probably in the first, you know, 10 years of their, or I guess hmm. eight years of their, you know, life up to that, as I've just felt how important it is to be praying right now uh, for them. Not, not because I think that they're lost and, you know, hellbound. That's not, that's not what I mean. Um, you know, but just of saying, God, and you're, you're in control here. Right. And, and I want you to be the one that, you know, draws them continually to themselves. Um, you know, as they know you, I, I always want them to know you more. There's never a point at which, you know, that I think my kids will know God enough, right? For any of us, we can always pray that prayer. May they know, may they know you more. May they love you more, you know, but. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder. Again, I think is depending on where we are in our spiritual journey, sometimes it's easy to see prayer is like, yeah, yeah, of course we're going to pray for him. But, you know, in the meanwhile, he needs to really be enrolled in these three extracurriculars and make sure he's doing all these things. And he or she will get where we want him to be. And I think it's, it's parents. It's also as teachers. There's a, a reasonable expectation that we have for our students to be at a certain place. And maybe that's 
not where they're going to be at the moment that we want them to be there. So, um, yeah, how do we, how do we yeah, manage that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the, the importance, and this is, you know, some of that we've talked about as a school, the seven laws of teaching, um, the importance of knowing each student for who they are. Um, and, and as a parent, right. Us knowing our kids, appreciating our kids for who they are. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear about the, some negative experience of kids with Christian education or in Christian homes. And it seems that so oftentimes it perhaps is that the, the parent or the school hasn't seen that child um, uniquely as who, who is this child and what is God calling them to, um, you know, that maybe we get, we get set the expectation. Like you said, we, we had an expectation in our minds so set on who we want them to be, um, you know, and they kind of fight against that because maybe that's not what God, God has them for them to be. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just so important for us to adjust our expectations. Um, you know, not, not, of course, we want all of our kids to love Jesus um, and to be in the church. I don't mean to adjust that expectation. You know, I mean, more of sometimes we have more specific, more particular expectations of what it's going to look like. Yeah. Again, I mean, and I've, over the years, I had a school time and being, you know, in roles in school, I mean, being a part of a, a classical Christian school for the last, 16 plus years, it keeps changing every year. Um, you know, you see a lot of parents that and they intend well that come in with very clear, like, again, I'm buying, I'm buying a, a ticket to an Ivy league because this is the kind of school it is. Right. You know, they, they don't, they, and, and I think that's the caution is just stepping back a bit and, and realizing, first of all, is that, is that, that, is that that child? Maybe that child's not wired for an Ivy league. Maybe there's a, even as smart as they may be and as committed as the teachers may be manage the expectation. I remember I know you've done some youth ministry. I remember years ago, a mom showing up with a middle schooler. I've never seen this actually done, but she was literally kind of holding him by the ear. I thought, you know, I thought that was like something out of the thirties or something. Moms carried the boy by the ear, but she literally walked in and had him held him by the ear and said, I need you to fix him. And I thought, well, I think it may be a little bit late for me to fix him when your expectation, you know, you, what role did you play? And maybe she was a faithful mom. I don't, I'm not so sure she was super involved and kind of wanted to outsource the parenting over to the church at that point. And maybe the, sometimes that happens in the school, but uh, again, what's a reasonable expectation as far as our role as parents, the role of the school, and then you throw a pandemic yeah. in. So, you know, you know, if you don't mind, there's a yeah. this quote. Um, so I was kind of perusing back through um, Plato and, and there's, it's called the Apology of Socrates, which I uh, love. I mean, I yeah. think it's tears the first time of reading it. It's just a beautiful piece. And this is something that Socrates says. He says, um, are you not ashamed that you care for having as much money as possible and reputation and honor, but that you neither care for nor give thought to prudence and truth and how your soul Will be the best possible. You know, see, you know what? What I've encouraged our parents in our community of this time is: this is a good opportunity to reevaluate. Are we too caught up in how do I get my kid that the job that he's going to make the money? You know, that he can have the house that he wants. You know, all, you know, or she wants, or whatever it may be, or get the grades and the GPA. Like, I mean, those things are fine; they're okay. But if we, are, if we are so caught up in those things, which our culture is, so it's, of course, it's easy for us to get caught up in those things just naturally, just by being part of the culture. 
But this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to peel those things away and say, what about prudence? What about wisdom for my child? What about truth? What about their soul? And I think that's the place I know that I have been thinking most as an educator, as a parent, is are, are there things that, you know, culturally that I've just been doing by rote because that's what the culture expects? Or have I been really caring for deeply for their, for their souls as individuals? Yeah, no, that's very well said. Um, Reminded of C.S. Lewis, he's got to quote Lewis. Lewis had a quote, he said, getting over a painful experience, I think about kind of the unmet expectations we many of us had in many areas of the last few months, is much like crossing monkey bars. I don't know if you've heard this. <laughs> he says, you have to let go at some point in order to move forward. And it's a simple but beautiful image is, you know, we cling on to these things and you can't move across monkey bars unless you let go of one to move to the next one. I think Lewis really had a great word picture there of where we are so often holding on. And I think the pandemic, to your point, has, as many have said, it's been a giant reset. It's caused all of us to go, hold on. Is this really the most important thing for my family? Or have we bought in, as you've said, into kind of a cultural expectation of my kid needs to be enrolled in three things after school and nobody, we have dinner together maybe once a week and everything is chaotic. I mean, what do you see in your community there? I mean, and in your own family, just sort of that resetting and that reprioritizing going on. What what kind of commitments are you making? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so both as a school and as a, you know, personally and, and in a church as well. Um, you know, as a school, we've had some great conversations um, of saying, hey, are we, you know, let's look at our curriculum. Are we really doing the most essential things? kind of that multi non multa, you know, idea, you know, uh, much over many, um, you know, are there, are there, are we rushing too much? Are we focusing on the essential uh, parts of education? Um, and, I, and I hope as, you know, as parents, you know, for myself as a parent, you know, I thought, you know, are, am I focusing on what's essential with my child? Um, you know, when I think about, we all want our child to know whenever they leave our house that they're, that, that I, that I love them. Right. And that I care greatly for them. Um, but I think, you know, as many adults can testify who, who have not always felt that from their parents and you wonder, well, did their parents not feel that? And you think, no, I'm sure they did. They did feel that love, but maybe, maybe didn't slow down enough or didn't take the opportunities to say no to some things. Um, to really make that known to their children. And I, and, I, and I think this time, you know, that reset button is a, is a chance for us to start saying no a little bit more often. So what are you seeing uh, people saying no to? I mean, what are some things maybe we've not considered we should say no to, or maybe say yes to, as it may be? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you, you know, you already talked about that. I mean, there's a lot, there's so many extracurriculars things. There's so many good things, you know, and this is the conversation that you know, we had as a school about, um, looking at curriculum, um, it's all good, right? right? If it wasn't good, we wouldn't have it in, we would never have made it into the school. The, the, we're not trying to get rid of bad things. We're actually having to consider, do we need to cut out some good things? Yeah. Because too many good things actually is an enemy of the best things. Yeah. 
And so I think we need to look instead of saying, oh, this is bad. You know, well, it's not, it's not a matter of what's bad and what's good. You know, it's a matter of needing to say, I might, I might not need to say no to some good things. Sports are good things. Man, you know, we love sports as a school, you know, we love sports. Um, but just because it's good doesn't mean it's yeah. necessary, you know, what you should be doing at that time, you know, but yeah, that's just, just an example. No, it's good. I mean, I don't want to pick- no, it's great. I mean, there's so many of them. And I think that's maybe as we wind the time down, just kind of the call to action. If you're, you know, we're all in different places. We all have different kids in different seasons in life, different interests. I think it's just the good is the enemy of the great. We can do a lot of good things and miss the great. And you're right. I, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm sure parents are like, I'm glad schools are, are asking that question. Are we, is every, do we need to read 12 books? Could we read eight and maybe read them with a little bit more thoughtfulness and not just gone for volume and numbers? I mean, that was a big Charlotte Mason, big fan of Charlotte Mason's. And she said, you know, it's, we don't want to be, it's depth over breadth. Let's go deep. And, uh, and I think that's, that that's a good question we should be asking. I mean, to your point around extracurriculars or just how we prioritize our family time. So, and I hope that, you know, the church, you know, will also recognize that there, there, I think there's a lot of non-essential things that churches, American churches yep. getting caught up in that end up pulling families away from their children. Yeah. And nobody intends it to happen. Right. You know, it's good things that people want to be involved in the church and, and that's, that's great. But I hope that part of this time has also given permission for parents to say, you know what? No, this is not the right time. That's going to take too much time away from my kids. My, my first calling. And that's a good reminder, you know, for parents, like your kids are your first calling. Um, you know, make sure that, that the time is given. It's okay to say no to that church ministry. Um, you know, that wants you to go volunteer for another night of the week. Um, if that means that you get to spend more time, with your first priority. Yeah. No, I think you're, again, this is, it's the big pause. It's a time to ask questions and reset. I was reading an article recently on just uh, kind of internal communication within church leadership of just what is this going to look like? And uh, this, we've had this crisis that's led to a disruption, but is a dis- but it can also be an accelerator. You know, some, some are saying, you know, things that were changes that were likely not going to arrive for five or 10, t- five to 10 years from now, like normalizing remote work kind of happened overnight or having a class, the case of the work I'm doing with SCL or the ACCS, but you know, here we are, we've pivoted to the, a digital conference like that probably wasn't going to happen in the classical Christian space for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, this catalytic moment um, to accelerate and to call into question things that might've been harder to ask before. So I think this is a, a good reminder, Josh, just um, don't, uh, what's the old adage, you know, don't, don't count your chickens before they're hatched or whatever. I mean, let's don't get too quick to judge. Um, is, is, did, is everything done in the life of my child? And you know, maybe God is not maybe, but if we've been faithful, God is continuing to form them, direct them, shape them through their time at school after they graduate. Yeah. So, yeah. And I hope that, you know, this also will be an awareness of our vulnerability as people. Uh, we're not in control, right? We are not God. And if we can bring that to our children, uh, I think sometimes we get afraid to be, to be, you know, to even acknowledge for our children, you know, those things, you know, thinking that um, I got to stay in control. I got to make sure. I think, you know, some of that, you know, coming to our children in a vulnerable state, um, not long ago with my son, I just say, Hey, tell me, you know, what are some ways that I've, 
been a bad dad to you, right? And that's a vulnerable place to to be. You know, he breaks, he broke down in tears, and you know, and shared some things. And I said, man, I'm sorry for that, and I want to, I want to do better. And and some of those things were valid, and some of those things, you know, it's like, well, there's probably a little misunderstanding there, but but it was the conversation of being able to to acknowledge. I know I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. Um, that's actually a good place for us to be. It's so freeing, really, and you know, we'll just end kind of back on Augustine again. You know, again, I. And I remember the story. I mean, he was, I think, in a garden and he was reading Romans and he just, the Holy Spirit convicted him. It was not, you know, everybody pressured him or everybody worked hard to make sure he knew. I mean, all of those seeds were planted. It was God that showed up and just um, brought to life um, this explosive, as you use the word, um, combination of what he'd learned and scripture and the spirit. And he became this man that I got, you know, I think one can make the case was, was by sh- for sure one of the most influential Christian leaders in Christian history, um, who would have not looked that way at 18. So there is yeah. hope and there's encouragement. Josh, thanks for giving us just a, a little, uh, reminder that it's not about us and that God is on the throne. And no matter what the headlines may say, or no matter what may be going on around us, um, we can trust that God is faithful. And that is, that's the hope we all have. So thanks for that reminder today. Amen. Yes. I'm always reminded the, the, the kingdom is never a stake. Nope. Yep. Despite the, our social media feeds. That's right. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Josh. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. Great to be with you, Davies. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Basecamp Live. You know, the vision of this podcast is that it's meant to be a conversation. And I do a lot of the talking, but I would love to hear from you because I know that these episodes are inspiring to parents and teachers and really anyone who is interested in investing in the next generation. So I want to invite you right now to email info at basecamplive.com. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know any thoughts or comments you have. And I do want to say a special welcome to our many international subscribers who are all over the world. If you're not following us on social media, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and sign up for our newsletter at BasecampLive.com. I'm also traveling and visiting schools all around the country now, consulting, training, and connecting. Let me know where you are. I'd love to visit and bring the Basecamp Roadshow to your school. Blessings to you, and thanks for listening.